The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. You can join us live Saturday nights at 6 p.m., Sunday mornings at 9, 10.30, or 12, or you can join us online at cityrev.org. So, we are still in a quarantine. I think, I don't know how long it's been now. What is it like? Week 20, I think it is already week 20. And I got to be honest. I mean, these are strange times. And I feel like I'm getting strange, okay, with these times. I don't know if you feel like that cooped up in your house. But I mean, I feel like I'm starting to get strange. I'm starting to have thoughts, okay, like that. I'm not comfortable with some of these thoughts. They're strange thoughts. I actually had the thought, what if... I shaved my entire beard and just left a mustache, okay? I mean, some of these thoughts that I'm having are scaring me, okay? You can, you can please pray for Rebecca because if I walk around with just a mustache, you know, no beard, that is, those are scary times, so you can lift up her in prayer. But I, these are things, I find myself getting strange. In fact, um, you know, you're trying to get creative with the kids and, you know, you can only play so much Candyland, okay? And so I was thinking of trying to be creative and so I recently taught them how do you make a toga, okay? And, I, and, and so I was telling them you get a, um, you get a, a blanket like this, okay? And, and, you know, maybe like you're down to this, maybe this is an activity for you is making yourself a toga. So you take a blanket and you grab it in the middle, okay? I, I like to give it one little twist, all right? And then you put it over, you know, one shoulder and you kind of wrap it around. And then you need a belt. Anything will work at this point. You know, a belt, you wrap it like this and you put the belt on, all right? And okay, so you got the belt. And so we each had little blanket togas going, and I figured, you know, this is like the the greatest moment for this game to turn into something else. And at that point, lightsabers got involved, okay, like this one. And we began, you know, fighting couch monsters and other things with our togas and lightsabers, okay. And and at that point, I remembered that um, I had left the, the sprinkler on. I have one of those sprinklers that you like attach to the hose, okay, when you're watering your grass. And I had attached to the hose. you got to move it to different places in the grass. I mean, what else are we going to do during quarantine but wa- watch the grass grow, okay, and water the grass? So I, I went outside and was moving the grass. I'm wor- moving the, the sprinkler. I'm working on it. And um, just then I looked up, and I see my neighbor, Alex, across the street. And he's just standing in his garage looking at me. And I looked down, and I realized I'm working in my yard and I'm still wearing a toga with a lightsaber. I mean, what do you say to someone at that point? And he just looked at me like, bro, you, you good, man? Like, you, you all right? And I, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, it, this is my, my corn toga, I, I, you know, and I just, let's never talk again. You know, what do you say? I just kind of hung my head and went back inside. I mean, these are strange times. I mean, think about what this moment is right now, church. I am preaching to you. I have a lightsaber and a toga on. These are, these are strange times, okay? And um, we, we have, in seasons like this, we have these questions that we ask that we don't have answers to in seasons like this. You know, we, we ask the, you know, the basic questions like how, what, where, when, why, how, 
How are we going to get through this? How are we going to get through a quarantine with our sanity, okay? What am I going to do to get through this? We ask, you know, when is this going to be over? Why is this happening to me? You know, we ask all of these, these questions, and so few of these questions in these crazy, strange times that don't make sense to us, we have so few answers for these kinds of crazy times. But there's a passage in the Bible, and, and various passages, but one that we're going to look at, that helps us see that if we can get the answer to just one, there's just one particular answer, if we can get the answer to just one of these questions, it helps all of the other ones make sense. And so I want to show you this passage as we're kicking off this series called The Provider. We're reminded that there is one, there's one being and he never fails. Never. We're going to learn about that a little bit more through this series. I want you to open in your Bible. If you have a Bible or Bible app, wherever you are uh, sitting behind a computer screen or a tablet or a phone, or maybe you've got it up on your TV, uh, pull up Exodus 15. We're going to look at starting in verse 22. I, I want you to, to check that scripture out, and we're going to jump into that um, together. Exodus 15, starting in verse 22. Let me just read this very first verse here. Exodus 15, 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Okay, so let's just get our bearings. What part of the Bible are we looking at? Uh, we are in Exodus 15. The immediately preceding chapter is Exodus 14. And this is right after Moses has led people out of Egypt. Finally, Pharaoh has let Moses' people go. They've, the, they've left Egypt. And as they leave, Pharaoh changes his mind. He unleashes all his chariots, all of his army. And now they're chasing down Israel. Israel uh, gets to the Red Sea. They turn, they, they turn around and just hear all of the army uh, marching and riding towards them. Their backs are to the sea. And they look to Moses and said, what have you done? Why have you brought us all the way out here just to die out here in the wilderness? What have you done? And Moses says, you just keep silent and watch how God's going to save you. Moses held a staff over the Red Sea and God parts the waters, okay, rolls the waters back and the people of God walk through, Israel walks through the Red Sea and not only has God provided for them a way of escape, but he set a trap for Pharaoh and his army. Pharaoh's army goes, follows them into the sea he collapses the water on top of Pharaoh's army, destroys it, and in so doing, God Almighty single-handedly destroyed the greatest army of its day. God has just done that, and then in the beginning of chapter 15, they celebrate. There's a beautiful song. You can go back and read it later this week. The beginning of 15 is the song that they all sing together, celebrating that God has saved them. He is the warrior God that has saved all of Israel. Now, now is the next steps. Now what do they do? And Moses leads them. They're following by, by God's direction. He leads them into the wilderness three days. That's an important part of the story. So I want you to say it with me. How many days did they travel? Okay, I don't think any of you said it. All right, and that's just discouraging for me. So we're going to try that again. Okay, if you're sitting on your couch or wherever you're at, 
How many days did they go out into the wilderness? Thank you. They go three days out into the wilderness, and as they're, as they're going out there, they find no water. Okay, now, before we go any further into this text, all right, um, I, I want you to just kind of picture this. They found no water. They're three days in. They didn't take water with them from the Red Sea. It's not like they took gallons of water with them from the Red Sea. That's salt water, so they're not going to take anything from the Red Sea. They're traveling three days in, and they found no water. This is, this is going to be pretty desperate, okay? Look what happens next. We're going to pick it up in verse 23. When they came to Mara, they could not drink the water of Mara because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Mara. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord. Now, pause right there with me. I want you to imagine, you've just left the Red Sea. That was exciting. Okay, that was, that was crazy. You don't really know where you're going, but man, that was amazing. We, don't, we no longer have Pharaoh chasing us down with his army, and you start going into the wilderness. And you start to have some questions. Where are we going to go? How are we going to find food? What are we going to be doing out here? Okay, uh, why are we doing this? When are we going to get there? I mean, you have all of these questions, and as you're going on your way, you get three days in. Okay, now, I want you to imagine how much water do you have to have with you for your whole family as you are walking through the desert to be comfortable with the amount of water? Or how much water do you have to have to survive walking with your family in the desert for three days? At this point, you've got to imagine they are desperate. And if you're three days in, it doesn't help you anymore to turn around and go back. You're at a point of no return. If you don't find water in front of you soon, it is going to get really, really bad. I mean, imagine you got your children there. I mean, this isn't just like, man, this, is, this, uh, this doesn't feel good. I'm thirsty. This is my children. I don't want to start seeing my children pass out from dehydration. It's a big deal. Three days in the wilderness and you cannot find water. But just then, they look ahead and there is a pond. I mean, can you imagine through this huge group of God's people, can you imagine like the first group of people that saw it up ahead. Wait, is that a mirage? Is that another mirage? No, I think that's water. And all of a sudden, everyone's spirits pick up. People start shuffling faster. They're going to the water. And then the first people maybe ran ahead. They jump in the cool water. They've, they've had the sun beating down on them through the entire uh, wilderness, through the desert area. They finally get to the water. And the first person takes a big drink of the water. And what is it? It's bitter. Can you imagine, okay, you, you've been so scared about what's going to happen with your family, with, with your children. You, you can't go backwards. You've got to find water ahead. And all of a sudden, your hopes are soaring. See, I knew it was going to happen. God's taking care of us again. And they get to the water. They take a big drink of it, and it's bitter. How bitter is this situation? Okay, the word Mara means bitter. That's what Mara means. 
So they named it Mara because the bitter water's there. But I want you to get the force if you're reading this in Hebrew. Look at verse, this is what verse 23 would sound like if you're reading it in Hebrew. When they came to bitter, they could not drink the water of bitter because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named bitter. Is there something that's sticking out to you about that verse? Perhaps the word bitter. This is an exceedingly bitter moment for all of these people who have been traipsing through the desert. Why is it so bitter? Because they're wanting to survive. They see what looks like their salvation. They run to the water and it's just a tease. I mean, they've got to be thinking, God, how cruel are you? That you would take us all the way out here, then you'd put this little pond out there, we get out to this, this spring, and we can't even drink from this. They start grumbling. They start complaining to Moses. And, and before we kind of judge them for, oh man, I mean, they just walked through the Red Sea. I mean, what's the deal? Why are they grumbling? I got to be honest with you. Man, about noon the first day in the desert with no water, I'd have probably already been grumbling. I mean, this is, let's respect the fact that this is incredibly desperate times. They start grumbling. And here's what Moses does. He cries out to God. This is not just, you know, hey guys, I don't know. Let me just go for a prayer walk and I'll get back with you. You know, let, let me just think about it. I'm going to go do my quiet time, do some prayer journaling. I'll get back with you with, with what God says. No, no, this is not like that. Moses is calling and crying, maybe screaming out to God, God, what are you doing? What are you going to do? We don't actually know what Moses says, but we know that he cries out to God. What happens? Well, let's see what this says next. We're going to pick it up in verse 25 again. And he cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water. And the water became sweet. All right, what? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. Uh, you'll see there's probably a footnote in the version you're reading that can also be translated tree. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Okay, th this is what happens. He says, God, please, what are you doing? And somehow God directs him. Hey, see that tree right there? Yeah, just throw that into the water. So he gets a tree, just tosses it into this pond. You know, all of the people must be thinking Moses is just throwing a temper tantrum. Tosses it into the water, and the water becomes sweet. You know, here's what I, I, I so love about this moment is, you know, God has a way of in our most desperate moments of providing in a way that we could never have anticipated. He has a way of in our, what seems like our darkest hour of coming through and showing us that finding a way out is no problem for him. And this is what he does. He says, look, I, don't you know? I can take this bitter pond and make it sweet. How about you throw that tree in there? They throw the tree in and now they have, they have water. God has provided water for them. But there's more that God wants to communicate. Look what he says next. We're going to pick it up in, 20, um, in, in the rest of 25. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule 
And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your, look at that word right there. What's that word? Healer. For I am the Lord your healer. Okay, he provides the water. He makes the water uh, sweet. He provides a way to make the bitter water sweet. And then here's what it says. He says, the Lord made a statute that day. The Lord made a rule that day. The Lord had something he wanted to establish clearly. It says he tested them. Now, when the Bible is saying that God is testing them, we've we got to understand this dynamic because we need to understand how God operates in these kinds of situations. He's not testing them so that he can find out about their faith. He's not like, man, I don't know. How far can I push these people? Let's see. Let me just take them three days without water, maybe a fourth day. No, no, okay, that's too far. Okay, I, okay that's as far as I can take them. That God doesn't need to find out where our faith is. He's God. He knows he searches our hearts. He knows every thought in our mind. He actually knows us better than we do. He actually wired our personalities and our dispositions and our DNA. He knows us better than we do. He's not testing us so he can find out where we're at. He is testing us. He's testing them so they can find out where their faith is. He's revealing to them their faith. He's, he brought them to the point where they could understand really where they are at. Man, that is the journey with God. It's going to be a faith journey. He's revealing to them their faith. And, and here's so often in moments like this, what people who are following after God realize is it's one thing to believe in God. It takes faith to believe that there is a God. It's one thing to believe in God. Like, we can't touch God with, you know our senses, but we take a step of faith. We, we sense him around us. We sense his work. We see his work. We, we take a step of faith and we believe that there is a God. We believe in God. That's one thing, but it is another thing altogether to believe there is a God. It's another thing to trust that God. It's another thing to trust that, that he can handle running our lives better than we do. And so sometimes he tests us just like he tests the, his people. And he's testing them so that they realize where their faith and their trust is at. He tests them. And then he establishes something. He says, he says this day I'm establishing a rule. He says, obey me. Obey my commandments obey my statutes, obey my laws. And he reminds them that he was able and is able to keep all of the plagues from them that, that he called on the people of Egypt, on the Egyptians, when they were so cruelly oppressing God's people and would not free them from their slavery. When they established themselves as enemies of God and they defied God, God brought those plagues on them so that they would let God's people go. And he reminded them. He says, don't you, don't you remember? He says, I'm calling you to obey me because don't you remember how I protected you? Don't you, don't you remember? Because wh why is he talking about obedience in this moment? I mean, what does this whole water thing and trusting God have to do with obedience? Every step of obedience 
is a step of faith. Every time I choose to do what I know God wants me to do rather than what I want to do, what my body wants to do, what the world says to do, what all of my friends are doing, what my family thinks is right, every time I choose to do what God tells me to do, that requires faith. There's a direct connection. It's faith in in the one who can provide, faith in the one whom you can follow, faith in the one who's planning your path is the same muscle that we obey with. So he's bringing up this obedience. And then he says, because I want you to know who I am. I am the Lord, your healer. The Hebrew there is Jehovah Rapha. I, I am your healer. What does that have to do with water and obedience? Well, here's what he's saying. He says, don't you remember who I am? I mean, even we just walked through the Red Sea, you know, even before that, don't you remember when the plagues were going around in Egypt and I spared you? Don't you remember? Don't you think that I, as I was your healer, don't you think I can provide for you no matter what your circumstances are? God leads them into the wilderness three days. They're desperate they finally get to some water. There, there must have been like this excitement and then this pulse going through all of God's people. And then they get there. And I mean, how, what a tease, how cruel, it's bitter. And then in this incredible moment where God shows that there is no obstacle that is too difficult for God, he says, Moses, take that tree, throw it in the water, and now the water is sweet. And they could set up camp there. And they could now, all of their, them and their families could find water God had provided for them. There's one more verse in this that I want you to see. This is incredible how this story ends. Look at verse 27. Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. God sends them from Marah, this bitter spring that became sweet, and then he takes them to an oasis. But you've got to listen to this oasis. Because it gives us the number of springs and, and palm trees, and it's significant. There's 12 springs. 12, that's a, that's a significant number, right? I mean, why would that number be significant to them? As, as they all arrive, all of Israel, and they see 12 different springs. Well, one spring for every tribe. And now they talk about the specific number of palm trees. Now, I mean, I think about like palm trees. Okay, what are they passing out? A couple coconuts here and there? No, no, remember, this is not tropical Florida that we're talking about. This is the desert. This is a different type of palm tree. It's not coconut palm trees. These are date palms. This is one of the most important resources in the desert. Families, even to this day in the desert, they, they'll pass down a, a date palm to the next generation. I mean, these are incredible possessions. These are date palms. Each date palm could produce up to 200 pounds of dates a year. I mean, there's, there are, there's probably over 100 dates on each one of these palms. And how many date palms are there when they come up to this, to Elim, where there's 12 springs, one for every tribe, and there's 70 date palms. And what's significant about that number? Well, in Israel at this time period, there were 70 elders. So each elder that is ruling over probably a clan or part of a clan within the tribes, 
Each elder has a palm tree to steward out the dates and pass that to every single family and make sure that they get all of the nutrients from those dates after having just traveled all of that time. I mean, this oasis is perfectly tailored for God's people. Do, do you see this? I mean, God is kind of showing off here. He's kind of reminding me, like, do you, you think that I'm at a loss for providing for you? Let me just show you. And he, t- and he takes him to this oasis. Look, 12 springs, one for each of your tribes, 70 date, pa- date palms, one for each elder to distribute. I-, I-, I got this. A perfectly tailored oasis. What is God doing? He's teaching them about himself. He's just brought them out of Egypt. They're on their way to Mount Sinai where they're going to receive the Ten Commandments and they're going to have a covenant with with God. They're about to officially, formally become even more his people and become a nation that's going to continue becoming a nation that's going to impact the, the world. But in this moment, God is teaching them along this journey who he is. See, um, sometimes God uses these things. I I just want you to know on this faith journey, I want you to know what God is capable of. If you believe in God, if you're following Jesus, I want you to know what the journey is capable of. There are going to be moments, this is guaranteed, there are going to be moments that require faith. Every single season, will in one way or another require faith. And sometimes those seasons are difficult seasons. Sometimes they're trials. In fact, the, in, in um, the New Testament, it says, don't, it says to Christians, don't be surprised when you face trials of many kinds as if something strange was happening to you. It's not strange when we face a trial. What is God doing? He's teaching us about himself. Now, I don't know about you, but there are some times that I'm like, God, could I just learn about you from a book? Okay, like I'd, maybe, does it have to be through pain or through difficulty or through anxiety or through stressful circumstances? Could I could just, God, could you just send me to a chapter in the Bible and I could read about it or just send me a book where I could read about it? Like that, that'll just teach me who you are. But here's the thing, you and I both know there are some things that you just cannot learn in a book. I remember when I was a child, um, I had the opportunity to go see Niagara Falls. And I was really excited about this because I had seen pictures of it. I had seen videos of it. I had probably learned about it in a class at some point. And actually getting to see it, I was so excited. And I, a part of me was worried that it was going to be a letdown when you actually see it in person. And um, so I remember when, when I finally got there and saw it, you got Horseshoe Falls and Niagara Falls. I remember seeing just the opposite happening. It, it wasn't a letdown. I remember thinking, man, no book, no video, no documentary could possibly compare to seeing this in person. I remember just being absolutely mesmerized watching just the sheer power that was generated from this massive waterfall. I mean, it was thunderous. It was so loud. You could 
feel it. I mean, you could be just far, far away from it and you still hear the thunderous roaring of this waterfall. It's just tons of water every second are just just punishing the rocks below. I I remember just staring at it. And the crazy thing about staring at a waterfall is it's not like it's changing. You know, it's just still water going over the edge. But I was just mesmerized by it. There are just some things that unless you experience it, you can't actually fully appreciate it. And that's what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to just know up here who he is. He wants us to so deeply, deeply from our gut, in our heart, in our experience, know who he is. That he's willing to take us through different circumstances on the journey so we know who he is. What's the payoff? Okay, is he just, he just so desperately wants us to know him? He does want us to know him, but he wants the payoff of knowing him in our lives. Here's why. Here's what we get when he teaches us and shows us deeply who he is. We get something to anchor ourselves to that never changes. Because all through your life and my life, On that adventure, on that journey, there is constant uncertainty. Our circumstances are constantly tossing us back and forth like waves in the ocean. They're constantly unstable. Things that look stable become unstable. And there's constant lack of stability, constant shifting winds, changing tides. All the time, our circumstances are unstable. And he wants to give us something to anchor ourselves to so that it doesn't matter what my, what are, what's raging in my circumstances. I can find stability, confidence, peace, rest. That I can put away anxiety because I know that my feet are standing on solid rock, not shifting sand. What's the payoff? is not constantly living a life that is up and down depending on the security of my circumstances because those will always change. In other words, in a season like this, what do we find in a, in a story that we have like this? We, we have all, this is strange times. And we have all these questions in times like this. We have how questions. How am I going to get through this? I mean, these are, they're not like silly questions. They're desperate questions. How am I going to find a job in a moment like this? How's my, my business going to thr- thrive or survive? We have, we have how questions. We have what questions. You know, what is it going to look like at the other end of this? What's my family going to look like? What's society going to look like? What's the city going to look like? What's the industry going to look like? We have what questions? We definitely have when questions. Man, when are we going to make things get back to feeling normal again? I mean, when, when are my kids going to go back to school? When are, when are we going to get to meet together as a church? We have when questions. We have where questions. Where can I find things that I need? Where can I find provision? Where can I find income? We have where questions. And man, don't even get me started. We've got big why questions. Why are you doing this, God? Why would you allow things like this? We have all kinds of why questions. 
But in the midst of all those questions, this text tells us one thing. If you can just answer one question, the tension for all the other questions starts to fade. Just answer who. If you know who, if you know who's capable of answering all those other questions, he can handle the how, he knows the what, he's in charge of the when, he, he's, he knows exactly where, and, and, he, and he only he knows the why. If you can just know who and anchor yourself to who is in control, that's going to get you through this season. Who is he? He's a provider. He's the one that can provide for you. Christian, here's what I want to challenge you today from this text. Have a robust view of who. Develop a robust view of who. Because here's probably what we're doing with our stress and anxiety that we have in a season like this. We're scrambling and spending too much time answering the how, what, where, whens, and whys, and not enough time exploring the who. So we've got our, we, so often what we can do, it's, it's important to be informed. It's important to be uh, innovative. It's important to be entrepreneurial. It's important to seek to provide. It's important to work hard. But we can get to a place where we forget to look at the who. And so sometimes we overdo it on the other questions. We keep our brain too plugged into what's the latest uh, number of people. People that are, that are infected. What's this? What's that? What's this? What does this person think? What does this person think? What's going on? And we're trying to answer all the questions. And, and once we, we can say, okay, I'm, I'm being wise. I'm staying informed. Man, sometimes you've got to unplug and spend more time deepening your view, having a robust view of who. In this season, know the answer to who is in control. That's why as a church right now, we're we're still meeting online, man, that's important. We're going to keep meeting. We're going to continue meeting every single week like this digitally because it's so important to be anchored into who. That's why all of our small groups are still meeting, uh, meeting online and they're all doing Zoom calls. That's why if you're not in a small group, sign up now. Don't wait till we start meeting it. Sign up now. That's why we're doing things like a podcast and releasing episodes almost every day. Why? To give you things to set your mind on the who. That's why our, our team is releasing new songs and new worship music so you can set your mind on who. That's why we're going through the, the, the word habit and reading through the Bible so we're devouring and drinking deeply from the scripture like Psalm 1 says. So we're like trees planted by streams of water, constantly nourishing ourselves in God's word. That's why we're st sticking close together and, and deepening a robust view of who. Don't miss out on establishing that because that is what keeps us anchored. And in the meantime, when we're in these desperate times, what do we do? Because these are desperate. I, you know, I'm thinking about the high school seniors right now. And they're saying, man, I'm struggling to trust. Because right now, this is not how I saw my senior year going. I was hoping to do this in sports, or this was my extracurricular activity, or I was working so hard for this, and now, I mean, this is how my senior year is ending. I'm thinking about the person who just found out that their job's furloughed, or that they're going to lose their job, and they're like, I don't know what's next. I mean, this is desperate. 
think about those of you who maybe you have a business that you're like, man, I don't know how it's going to survive or what's going to come next. I, I'm thinking about those of you who say, look, I've got family members or, or I myself am a high health risk. I've got real questions from God on how I'm going to survive. These are real questions. And what do you do in those moments? Well, you do what Moses did. Cry out to the Lord. Trust him that you can cry out in your desperation. Lord, I, I need you so desperately. I need you. But then maybe you say, okay, but I need you to help me. How can I trust the Lord? How do I, how do I know? I hear what this text is saying, but man, how do I know how to trust him? Well, remember what he says. He says, don't you remember what I did for you? Don't you remember what I did back in Egypt? How I, what, all that I provided, don't you think I can provide for you in this season? I, I'm Jehovah Rapha. I, I can heal. I can protect. I can provide. Don't you know who I am? And Christian, I, let's take another look at this and what this says because don't you remember what he's done for you? I mean, look what this says. I, I mean, think about this again. They go into the wilderness for three days. They're desperate. And on the third day, God saves them with a mighty act. There's a rescue on the third day. What was that rescue? It's a, a tree. A tree is thrown into this water, and it's a tree that makes all that's bitter sweet. It's the same word used when it talks about um, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree in the law. Tree, I mean, that's a word they use in the New Testament to describe what Jesus did. He was hanged on a tree. He was on a cross. And the cross of Christ, what is this passage ultimately hinting at? Is that one day Jesus Christ, the ultimate Savior, would heal us of our sin sickness and take, he, would, he would be nailed to a cross and on the third day have victory over death and sin and that we would be saved. And then we know all of the bitter things in our life will work together for good. Why? Because now that he's washed our sins away, we are now children of God, reconciled to God. And so now he looks at us and says, no, you're my child and I work all things together for good. I make bitter things sweet in your life because you're my child. Don't you know that because of what Jesus did on the cross, what he accomplished on the third day for you, that salvation, do you know what that means? That means every time God says no to you, what he's really saying is no because that's not yet good enough for my child. That's who's providing for you. Can I encourage you, Christian? Don't you know who is going to provide for you in this season? Don't you know it's not a different God than the one that we just read about? It's the same God that when Egypt rose up and said, who is this God? God said, I will show you who I am. And it brought the entire empire of Egypt to its knees until they let God's people go free. It's the same God that took on single-handedly the greatest army at that time and set a trap and destroyed them to single-handedly protect his people. It's the same 
same God who can provide water in the wilderness and miraculously turn what's bitter into sweet. That's the same God that's walking with you, Christian. It's the same God who calls the walls of Jericho to fall. The same God that brought the, brought the giant down. It's the same God who will one day bring, make all things right, wipe all the tears away from our eyes. It's the same God. Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead, defeating sin and death itself. It's the same God working in your life. He's authoring your story as you're journeying through this crazy, strange journey, sometimes through the wilderness. You're following after him. It's the same God authoring your story that authored this story in the Bible. And here's something you've got to know about God. He never authors a second-rate story. He only cranks out masterpieces. And the story he's writing for you is a masterpiece. This is in strange times. This is an opportunity to have faith. Faith in our provider because he will never, never fail. Let's have faith together. You know, there's some of you here that you might be watching online. I don't know where you're at or what you're going through. But I think this is a moment when God is stretching your faith And maybe you say, well, look, I believe in God. Here's what the Bible says. And I say this not judgmentally. I say this lovingly. The Bible says you believe in God, good. Even the demons believe in God and they shudder. I want to invite you not to just believe there is a God, not just say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I want to invite you to trust God with your life. Follow Jesus. Make him the Lord of your life. Why? Because he saved you and wiped all, washed all your sins away. You can trust him with your life. He can run your life better than you can. Some of you need to go from just saying, yeah, I, I believe in God. And trust in Jesus. Trust in God to run your life. Make him your Lord and King and Savior today. If you're ready to take that step and truly become a worshiper of God, truly find salvation, It's just something you receive, a free gift where you take that step and trust and follow Jesus. I want to lead you in that prayer. Would you bow your head? Wherever you're seated, would you just bow your head right now and I want to lead you in this prayer. Maybe you're watching behind on a phone or a laptop or a tablet or it's on your screen, you're sitting on a couch, wherever you're at, sitting at a desk. If that's you, you want to put your trust in God and Jesus Christ, just make this your prayer. Just say this. Just right there between you and God. Say, God, thank you that I can trust in you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins. Thank you for having victory. Thank you that you love me. You want to adopt me and as your child, I will follow after you. God, I believe that you are there. But now I trust you with my life. I will follow and obey wherever you guide. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if that was your prayer just then, here's what I want you to do. I I don't want, that's too important. Your life is changed. You're reconciled now with the one who made you. It's too important for that to be anonymous. So here's what I want you to do. 
there's a banner on that screen that you can just click and say, yes, that was me. I put my faith in Jesus. And it's going to take you to cityrev.org slash faith. I, I want you to go. You can even look in the comments and see cityrev.org slash faith. Click on that link, please, if that was your prayer. There's a short form. It's going to ask for a little bit of your information. And we just want that because we want to just celebrate with you. We'd like to send you a Bible and let you know what the next steps are on this journey. So would you just take just 30 seconds, click that link, cityrev.org slash faith, and let us just celebrate with you and walk on this journey together. Church, we're going to close with this time. Take this time with, of worship, celebrating who he is. And the first song we're going to sing is the song that is a declaration. Yes, I will praise the name of God. No matter what my circumstances are, I will boldly praise God because I know who he is and that he is in control. So let's worship with this music together. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, you can email us at podcast at cityrev.org.